Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. And uh, I just pray that what we're sharing in the Word of God is a blessing to you. Stay tuned as we really begin to unpack, I think, some very important stuff today as we continue our series on Lazarus being raised from the dead. We have been in a, um, a series for months now, and we've been teaching this seven times in the book of John that Jesus says, I am. He continues to affirm what He is and who He is. The, the, the whole fact that He uses the terminology, I am, is really connecting Him to the first time that phrase probably was ever used by God, and it was where Moses said, who must I say sent me? And He said, you tell them I am sent me. Jesus comes along in the new covenant, and He says to them, I am. And he says in John chapter 20, the whole reason for the book of John, John wrote it that he said that these things he wrote to us that hearing we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing we might have life through his name. Now what we've done in each one of these I am's is we have contrasted them with like an old covenant idea. For instance, uh, they thought Jesus would make this statement. Let me say it like this. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. But I am the true bread that came down from heaven. In other words, you thought that was the bread, but that's not the bread. I'm the bread. You thought Moses and what he did was the light, but that's not the light. I am the light of the world that lights every man that comes into the world. You thought that the door was through performance Christianity and through uh, what you think was your human effort, but that's not the door. I'm the door. You thought the shepherds were the shepherds that he rebukes in the Old Testament and said, your shepherds uh, are hirelings. They're not shepherds. I'm the true shepherd. You thought that was the way, but that's not the way. I'm the way. This week, or last week, we started sharing with you about Lazarus, how he said uh, concerning Lazarus, uh, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And we contrasted that with John 5 where Jesus said, uh, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which spoke of me. And we contrasted how those Scriptures we're talking about the law of Moses because the New Testament had not yet been written. So when he's talking about, you know, that you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and in just a few verses below that, he said, there is one that accuses you, even Moses, uh, whom you trust, but do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. So he's showing them, you thought that was going to produce life, but there's not a commandment that can produce life. For if barely there was a commandment that could have uh, produced righteousness, and life would have been by the commandment. I'll read you a scripture on that in just a little while. Let me just say, though, because if you have just tuned in for your first time, or you, uh, you think, Ben, I sh I've wish missed the last 15 programs where he unpacked the first four I am's, 
Let me just tell you that it is available for you to watch on YouTube. We encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel and watch everything we have archived to date will be there. There'll be a playlist called The I Am's of Jesus that will have each one of these uh, that we've done, and you can watch them on demand or share them on your Facebook page or tell your friends, you need to see this. And you say, well, I don't have time to sit down and watch YouTube. Let me just encourage you as well that we do have a podcast that has the audio portions of these series on it. And we also have an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to get any of this is to simply go to my website, and that address is on the screen, uh, and probably in the lower part of the screen. It's lynnhiles.com. And the opening page will have uh, literally a TV screen that is our, uh, our YouTube page. But if you, can, if you just tap on that, it'll take you straight to the YouTube page. But in the upper right-hand corner, there are little icons. One of them is a picture of the YouTube. One is a picture of the Android uh, device. One is a picture of the iTunes icon. If you tap on them, they will take you directly to our podcast, our RSS feed, or our YouTube page, whichever one you would like to view or listen to. It is easy uh, to get them on your, uh, your your device, so you can listen to them when you're stuck in traffic, when you're riding down the road, when you're you know in your car, you're mowing your lawn. These are good ways to redeem the time and get the word in your heart. So th- th- those are definitely ways you can do that. Now, what I want to do today, though, is we're going to go back and talk about the story of Lazarus, and we're going to peel the layers again. It said, now a certain man. This is John eleven was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he of whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith he to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. And his disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late, watch this, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he, after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go to awake him. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us go also that we may die with him. And then Jesus came. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was near to Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha said, as soon as she had heard that Jesus would come when he met him, that Mary sat still in the house. Let me just skip down a little bit, so because I want to get... Um, uh, some powerful things. Verse 24 says, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
Now I want you to note that. Though he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believeth in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then saith he unto him, Yea, Lord, or then she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, which should come into the world. Now let me just skip on down here just a little bit further. Jesus tells them then in, in uh, 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 let's see, uh, he says, Where have you laid him? Verse 34. They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave, and it was a cave and a stone upon it. And he said, Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus looked at me his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but I said this because of the people which stand by. I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Then many of the Jews skipped down, uh, was skipped down to verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told the Pharisees what things Jesus had done, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? For this man does many miracles. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take our, both our place and our nation. Now let me just say something else. I am reminded, and I'm going to go over here and, and just get this story. I am reminded of another story of Lazarus, a story where Lazarus is being mentioned. And when I put this together, it really began to bring some revelation to me. Now remember that Jesus is visiting the tomb of Lazarus to raise him from the dead so that they will believe that he is the Christ and that believing they would have life through his name. Now, let me just say to you that even after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Jews did not believe, but they thought they began to plot and plan how they might destroy him even after he raised somebody from the dead. Now, let me tell you that when I thought about this, there's another story of a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. This is not an accident. But in, in Luke 16, uh, he starts out with, with, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him uh, that he had wasted his, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place here. Um, uh, I, I need to find it here real quickly, but uh, uh, the, the story of, uh, of, uh, uh, of the rich man, I'm looking for the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and there was a story where this rich man had came to Jesus. There, here it is. I, all right, we're good. The Pharisees, verse number 14, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. 
And it is easy for heaven and earth to pass in one jot or one tittle of the law to fail. Now skip down to verse number 19. There was a certain rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now this is not an accident to me that there's a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments in the sea of Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And beside all this, between you, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that they may testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead... They will repent. Now I want you to remember what you're going to see here is they're asking that somebody be raised from the dead to warn the seed of Abraham not to come to this awful place. And they're literally asking for one named Lazarus to be raised from the dead. And we will see how this connects with the Lazarus in just a few moments that Jesus just raised from the dead. And he, said, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one rose from the dead. Now let me show you again that I believe this is a parable. First of all, it is in a whole line of parables. If you go back to the chapter prior to this, it is the story of the prodigal son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. It is a parable of... of uh, of the two sons uh, of the prodigal son and the story of the son who never left. Now that story is a story to me. The older son in the story of the prodigal son says, Father, I have served you my whole life and you never one time gave me a kid to make merry with my friends. And he said to him, Son, all that I had was yours. And you could have had a calf any time to make merry with your friends. But now this, my son, who was lost and is now found, you're criticizing because I've celebrated the fact that this son came back at least. But see, the whole concept here is he's dealing with, he's dealing with, I believe, a servant mentality because under the old covenant, your servants in the new covenant, your sons, and both of these guys came back, the prodigal son came back and said, Father, make me a servant. And, and, and the father says, listen, uh, you know, put the robe on him, put a ring on him, put shoes on his feet, because this is my son who was lost. 
The other son sat right in the house with a servant mentality and said, I have served you my whole life, and you have not given me a kid to kill to make merry with my friends. All of these stories convicted and pricked the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees who are exactly those people who would sit and complain when a prodigal son did come home, or when a lost coin was found, or when something was happening that was showing the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and the power He had to raise from the dead. So the story to me of the rich man and Lazarus is a picture, first of all, the rich man being a type or a picture of natural Israel, because they were the ones who had the covenants of promise, they were clothed in purple, and in this story he is a son of Abraham. He's the natural seed of Abraham. And then there was at his table one named Lazarus. Now remember again, this name Lazarus is not by accident. Now Lazarus was at the foot of the table of the rich man, and he would have begged for the crumbs that fell from the master's table, and the dogs did lick his sword. Now you remember that really when the, the Samaritan woman comes to Jesus, he said, it's not lawful to give what's holy to dogs. And he said, well, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So Lazarus is a picture of the Gentiles. The rich man is Israel. Lazarus is a picture of the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, Lazarus is the, uh, is the Greek equivalent of the name Eliezer, which was the Gentile slave of Abraham who was about to receive Abraham's uh, inheritance because he had no seed. So what this is a picture of to me is a picture of the rich man being a type of natural Israel, the natural seed of Abraham, the natural sons of Abraham, because he calls him Father Abraham, and Abraham acknowledges him as a son. And I see Lazarus as a picture of the Gentiles who were about to receive uh, the inheritance that was at once belonged to, uh, to, it once belonged to Abraham. And so what you see is that in this story is this rich man is in hell and he lifts up his eyes. Now there's a lot I could get into, but I really believe this is a parable. And I believe that when you look at this, uh, th this word, uh, uh, he's, he's in hell and he lifts up his eyes. I believe it is the Greek word Hades here. But uh, but it talks about him being in torments. What would come pretty soon in the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 would be a fire that would literally burn that city that he called an unquenchable fire, like the fires of Sodom and Gomorrah. So what I think is happening here is this rich man is saying, uh, listen, uh, you know, he is in torments because he realizes he just missed the covenants of promise, and here's Lazarus who has been a beggar and hasn't had it, uh, you know, and, 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 and he, he hasn't had the, the, the wealth or the bread or the, it wasn't the covenant to him yet. And so this is a picture of Jews and Gentiles, and as a matter of fact, he makes a statement to the rich man in Luke 16, and he sa or Luke 15, or 16, yes, he says in Luke 16, listen, you know, while you were alive, you had these goods, and you were comforted, and he was mourning, but now he's about to be comforted, and you're about to be mourned. Takes you clear back to the first message Jesus preached in uh, Matthew 5, when he said, blessed are you who mourn, for you're about to be comforted. In other words, what was happening is there was an exchange taking place that what used to be given to the Gentiles, or the, I'm sorry, what used to be given to the Jews 
was about to be given to the Gentiles. And so this to me is a picture, because it's in the whole context of this same theme of the uh, Pharisees and scribes not receiving or believing on Him whom God had sent. And so in hell he lifts up his eyes and he sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. That's God bringing the Gentiles in. If you look back at all of the other stuff I've talked about so far, we talked about every one of them was pictures also of the inclusion of the Gentiles into the covenants of promise. And we talked about in John with the story of Lazarus, how he raised him from the dead so that all men might believe, and that believing anybody who believed would have life through his name. So here's the rich man, and he's in hell, and he lifts up and he sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, basically receiving his inheritance. And he says, man, send somebody to warn my brothers so that they don't come to this awful place. Send somebody to warn them not to come here. And so Jesus looks and says this in the parable of the rich man. He said, even though one rose from the dead, still they won't believe. Now I want to take you fast forward to the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, because what He's doing in John's Gospel is He's literally sending Lazarus from the dead to warn the Jews not to come to this awful place, so that believing they might believe on Him. But He says to them, even though one rose from the dead, still they will not believe. Now I think it's incredible that when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, that many went to the scribes and Pharisees and said to them, man, this dude just raised somebody from the dead. And I promise you the scribes and Pharisees said, please tell us his name is not Lazarus. Because this is the story of the contrast of what they had asked for in Luke 15 is send one from the dead, send Lazarus to warn my brothers. That's exactly what Jesus is doing in John's Gospel, is He's raising Lazarus from the dead so that they might believe. But as you see the story again, still they do not believe that He rose from the dead. They still do not believe in His name. And so the Bible says that there was a great then gulf that was fixed between them so that there was no way to cross over this chasm. It is interesting to me that when I did a story, uh, uh, when I did a study of that where he talks about there was a great gulf fixed. In, uh, I have a Bible that has a lot of uh, Bullinger's notes in it. It's um, trying to think what it's called. It's called the Companion Bible, but it has a lot of the Greek Hebrew right in it. And uh, when, it, when you see this word, there's a great gulf fixed. It is interesting to me that the word a great gulf fixed here is a medical term in the Greek. And it literally means a gaping wound. Now when I think about it being a medical term and a gaping wound, I can't help but my mind go to Calvary's cross and say that the only way they can cross the chasm out of the covenant of death and into the power of a resurrected life where we can be resurrected and believe is through the gaping wound of Calvary's tree when Jesus bled and died and was wounded for our transgressions, when He was bruised for our iniquities, when the chastisement for our peace 
was laid on him. And it is interesting to me that that's the only thing that can get anybody across that gulf into the covenants of promise. So you see to me that story of the rich man and Lazarus is a story of the Jews about to lose their inheritance to the Gentiles and Jesus showing them that Lazarus is the very picture of the resurrection that they had asked for to warn his brothers not to come to this awful place. And he's telling them in very clearly then in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet will he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. But you go on down and you can see that what happens is once they rolled the stone away and the dead came forth, verse 47 uh, verse 46 of John 11 says, But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees the council and said, What do we? For this man does many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall, not come, or shall come and take away both our place and our nation. And I'm telling you, this was exactly what Jesus said would happen. The one rose from the dead, still they will not believe. This is the nail in the proverbial coffin in verse number 46 and 47, because the chief priests and the Pharisees then took counsel how they might kill Jesus still. Now I think it's also pretty incredible that if you go back, that even on the heels of, of uh, John 10, uh, the end of it that we, we, we dealt with in the segment where we talked about, I am the shepherd of the sheep, that as it gets down in the latter part of that uh, chapter 10, that, uh, that it says in, in the latter part of chap chapter 10, uh, when they picked up stones to stone Jesus again because he, he identified with his father, they thought he was blaspheming, and then he said to them, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified said to the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said I'm the Son of God. So they're rejecting their Messiah. He said, If I do the works of my Father, believe if, if I do not the works of my Father, then believe me not. But if I do the but if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I'm in them. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John had first baptized. And there he abode, and many resorted unto him and said, John did do no miracles, but all things that John spake of him were true. And many believed on him there. And then it starts into the story of chapter 11. There was a rich man named Lazarus. So can you see that this whole story of the rich man and Lazarus is not just a standalone story. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but it sure looks to me like there's a connection. I don't think it's an accident that there's a man named Lazarus in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And it is the context of the parables that Jesus is talking about, Pharisees, scribes, and the religious leaders of that day that were about to miss their Messiah and be welcomed back into Father's house and into the covenants of promise. So just like Abraham's uh, servant uh, Eliezer was going to be the heir of his inheritance, so the Gentiles were about to become a part of the inheritance of Jesus Christ and of the kingdom of God that he would bring in of all those who believe, both Jew and Gentile. It's based on, do you believe?
We're out of time. I trust this has really ministered to you. If you'd like to sow seed into this ministry to help us keep on the air, please call that number on the screen. Someone can take your call. Uh, uh, you can also go to our website and give via credit card or PayPal. You can write the number or, or the address on the screen and send your check or money order to that address. And we appreciate everything you do to help us take the gospel around the world. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.